Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cherries on Top podcast. After two big defeats, it showed Bournemouth the reality of life in the Premier League. The smiles were brought back to the faces of the fans as Brooklyn Genesini's debut goal against Norwich helped the Cherries advance into the third round of the Carabao Cup. However, it is back to the proverbial 9-5 and the tough fixtures just keep on coming. Man City, Arsenal and next up this Saturday, the mighty Reds of Liverpool Football Club. Before we take a look ahead to the trip to Anfield, I'm delighted to welcome on to the show Sport Bibles and Anfield Agendas, Chris Stonehenge. Chris, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, an absolute pleasure and pleasure to be on and um happy to be here. Um, obviously, I didn't expect Bournemouth to be above Liverpool in the table <laughs> when uh, when we were going to be recording this, but um, but that's the reality of life. I'm <laughs> sure we'll cl- crack into it. Lovely stuff. And as always, you can find Chris's links in the description below, so be sure to check them out. But let's get straight into the good stuff. And as you were saying, Chris, looking back at the first few fixtures of the season, if you were to tell any Bournemouth fan that the Cherries would be sandwiched between Manchester United and Liverpool in the league table, they probably would have bitten your hand off for the opportunity. But I think it's fair to say the season hasn't quite lived up to expectations so far, has it? No, it's not been great, to be honest, mate. Um, it's been uh, frustrating, um, bemusing, I would say mm. would be the word. Um, and just overall, just like it feels like there, there's peace missing. It feels like there's something going on behind the scenes. We don't really know. Obviously, we've got a whole 11 out with injuries. Um, people who I would say would make a massive impact on on the games like Diego Jota mm. um, is one that we 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 definitely miss uh, Tiago Alcantara. Anyone in the world would miss him, but it's, it's basically par for the course. That he, it's par for the course that he gets injured sometimes. Yeah. Um. But then we have we also we also lose a lot of impact from the bench as well, which is uh, which is annoying. Like the, the likes of Curtis Jones, which I know a lot of people don't like. I personally absolutely adore him. Yeah. Um, like Curtis Jones, Naby Keita, those, those ones. Um. But there's been you know. We talk about the Fulham and Crystal Palace games was the fo- completely opposite. Fulham, I think we showed a complete lack of attitude. We were lucky to get a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Darwin Nunez basically saving us. Um, Crystal Palace, the, the same man who saved us became the villain and uh, headbutted uh, Joachim Anderson. Luckily, Luis Diaz got us out of jail. And then Man United, basically, we didn't have anyone to get us out of jail. And it was just shockingly poor. Um, it Like, realistically... Um, a lot of people have said that the, the Premier League title is completely out of reach. I wouldn't quite say that, but um, it needs, certainly needs to change around and we have to beat you guys on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I was literally just about to ask you about the, obviously losing against one of your biggest rivals who have also been in quite dire form. Does that <laughs> harbour some worries? And do you think the steam train of Man City will just keep rolling and it'll be difficult to catch them up now? I think you're five points behind them now. Yeah. Um, well, with them dropping points at uh, St. James's Park on Saturday, Monday was a very, very good opportunity to come and get back into it. And uh, yeah, we didn't do that. Um, realistically, the odds are very much stacked against us. But we all know about this Liverpool team that when the odds are stacked against them, that's usually when they perform their best. Um, and the squad, the manager, the owners, they've all um, been fantastic over the sort of last five or six years in, in terms of, of changing things around when they seem like they're the worst. I mean, um, we 
we've we've had situations where we've gone into a season we've been we were we were in ninth in in I think it was October 2017 ended up finishing fourth and getting to a Champions League final. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had obviously the dire situation of, of the COVID season and we ended up finishing third. Um, I have no qualms that we'll finish near well at least in the top four and at least in um in sort of contention for the title but um yeah it does harbor some worries and we do need a midfielder definitely of course (laughs) yeah uh we'll come back to liverpool in just a second but for the moment we'll move on to afc bournemouth obviously having one on the opening day against aston villa it brought the fans some hope that they can kick it with the big boys especially after all the talks of guaranteed relegation and going to finish bottom but these humbling defeats against Man City and Arsenal have kind of brought into question Scott Parker's attitude towards these games where he sets up with the back five to defend the point rather than going for the jugular and going to win the three points rather than defend the one. Do you think that is the way to set up against, especially the big six sides, if you're going to be down in a relegation battle towards the end of the season? I think Fulham set a blueprint for all of you guys, especially mm. to, at home. Um, just go at teams. Go mm. and press them. Press them high. Because they might go into it. And I think Liverpool went into the attitude that they're too good for Fulham. Mm. And that they're, they're not good enough. And uh, that um, that they had the ability. And um, Mitrovic was the one for me that, 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 that tore us apart. And I mean, Bournemouth have got some quality, quality players, man. Um, I know firsthand how good Dominic Solanke is. He didn't have a great time at, at Liverpool. I don't know whether he'll be fit um, for the trip uh, to Anfield next weekend, but Keith uh, Moore's yeah. another one. He's, Keith Moore's another one. It's like, not, nothing's been said about Solanke, Solanke yet, but he was potentially in line to play last weekend, so he might be back, but whether he'll be fully yeah. fit is another question, but... Exactly. I, th- I think Bournemouth have got quality in there. You know, I did watch quite a lot of them last year in the Championship. And I wasn't particularly impressed, mm. despite the fact they got promoted. They should have steamrolled a promotion with the amount of money they they put in. Mm. Um, and I-, I thought that they would they would definitely go go further. But especially towards uh, the sort of back end of the season when they were toe to toe with Nottingham Forest, I think if the season had gone on another month, Forest would have would have probably got promoted. Mm. Um, but the way that they played against Villa was was impressive. Um, I don't think you can take too much from these um, City and Arsenal games, but if you're going to take anything uh, mm. from Fulham, I, w- I would take inspiration from them and say, just go at teams. And if you lose four or five nil, well, you would have lost four or five nil anyway. Um, so mm. it's better off having it, having a go. And I think um, there's there's still, as I said, there's a lot of quality and there's a lot of weaknesses to be exposed to Liverpool at the moment. Yeah, of course. And as you mentioned with Fulham, they sort of made that makeshift, makeshift midfield look makeshift by pressing and just go in for the jugular from the start. And in the first half, they were absolutely electric at Craven Cottage that weekend. And obviously Manchester United followed the similar standpoint, aggressive play. Martinez with that first challenge, opening minute on Salah, riling the fans up as well. Do you think that is the way to get at this Liverpool team at this current moment in time? And do you think that makeshift midfield is the weakness that teams will be targeting? Oh, it's not even a question. Like, mm. realistically, the the midfield is shocking. I mean, I'm going to send you a photo after this of a, <laughs> of a screenshot that I um that I found of of positions, right? Mm. And it had Robertson was the furthest man forward. This is on an attack. Robertson was the furthest man forward, and Firmino was behind Milner. Um, like Elliot was on this side. There's a massive void. It was like um, Moses part in the Red Sea in midfield. <laughs> um, and yeah, that that. 
the reason teams can get us so easily, like I think Man United on Monday, they look like they could score whenever they attack mm. because the, the likes of um, Ericsson and, and McTominay were getting on the ball and being able to drive forward with, with little to no challenge. I think this weekend we will see a change from that. Mm. I think we may see... Um, I think it'd be it'd be interesting to see if we saw Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho in midfield mm. and see what sort of balance there would be. I mean, I think it, it'll be Philip Billing and Jefferson Lerma for for Bournemouth, right? Uh, um, it might be Pearson, yeah, but Pearson. yeah, yeah. So it's going to be that'll be a really difficult one for them to battle against because they're both big physical midfielders. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how the midfield w- would line up. Really, we, we're not exactly spoiled for choice. The only thing I don't really want to see is, however much I absolutely love him, and I don't think it's his fault, uh, we don't want to see James Milner starting on a regular basis. Um, he he needs to be coming off the bench in the last 20 minutes to see it out games and playing in cup matches, not starting at Old Trafford in Premier League games, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I was Yeah, that brings me on to the next question perfectly, actually. So, Henderson and Milner are obviously vital figures in that league-winning season and challenging up there in the league for the past few seasons now so why is it that they kind of fallen off you could say and is it just the aging legs or were their weaknesses at those times sort of covered by Fabinho, Naby Keita and Thiago obviously um there's always been this thing amongst Liverpool fans that says we really don't want to see Henderson and Milner playing together mm. um, it's one or the other and mm. I still think that rings true I'm a massive Jordan Henson advocate. I think last season he played the most out of any of our midfielders. And mm. last season we nearly won an unprecedented quadruple. Yes, we fell at the, the hurdle. But mm. um, you can't have a passenger in a team that, yeah. that wins so, so many games. And I, I, I think that his presence, although sometimes he can be a little bit rushed on the ball, um, I feel he's still needed within the squad and should be phased to the James Milner role very soon. Um, but then that comes to what other options do you have? And the rest of them are uh, the rest of them are on the treatment table. So I think we we were li- had little to no choice really to play both of them. I, I just don't know where I don't know where Jurgen Klopp goes with it. Does he change shape on Saturday? Could go to a four two three one with mm. playing Henderson and Fabinho there with with Carvalho or Elliot in an attacking midfield role. Um, and then we it's it's frustrating with, with Henderson and Milner. I think a lot of people have this vitriol towards them because they're not fashionable, mm. um, but they're great servants and they're great people to have around the club. And I think people just don't see that. Mm. Um, and, and you speak, you hear about people who've left Liverpool, right? Like the Marnes, the, the Lalanas, the Wijnaldums, they all speak so highly of those two players. Mm. Um, so I, I think you, you, you'd be an idiot to say, I'll oh, just get rid of them. But at the same time, they need to be phased out and the new blood needs to be phased in because young and hungry always equals success in my opinion. Yeah, of course. And looking up further up the pitch as well, there seems to be a sort of goal-scoring problem too. I know it's crazy to say with the likes of Mo Salah in that attacking lineup, but ever since he won the FWA Footballer of the Year award, which I was at last year, it sort of seems that he hasn't been getting those goals as regularly as we're so used to. And obviously losing Sadio Mane, Jota out with injury. Diaz is a brilliant player, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't proven that killer instinct just yet. It's coming, but not there just yet. Do you think that's a problem? Do you think that the attack is a problem at the moment as well? Yeah, and I think it's because, well, one person, I was on Anfield Agenda stream the other night, straight after the Man United game, Mm. and one person I retrospectively blamed was Darwin Nunez Mm. because 
surely he should look at it and think, oh, actually, like, like, get it in his in his mind, right? Yeah, we've got no one else. <laughs> Don't headbutt people. And I think he would have caused a lot of problems for uh, for Man United. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think he caused a lot of problems for Bournemouth as well because uh, of that situation. Roberto Firmino has had a really poor start to the season. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's clear to pretty much everybody that he would have been third choice forward anyway. Um, and that's I think why, that again, scoop I... pass in the first half yeah. against Manchester United summed it up really. Like exactly. He had the option on the right and he just decided to overcomplicate it and exactly. mess it up really. But... And the things with Diaz and Salah is that with the midfield being so dysfunctional, mm. um, they are left isolated. I mean, I, I, Mo Salah had one chance on uh, on Monday and he scored. Mm. Um, and yeah, he wasn't great in the second half of last season. I will admit that, but like, I, I don't, I don't blame those two at all. Really, they're, they're isolated. It's like they're having to take on the world now. With Luis Diaz, he he can probably do that. Mm. He's got the dribbling ability. Um, you saw with his goal against uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, what how, a goal. Um, how like how how amazing he is with with close control. Mo Salah's much more of a a, a killer finisher and mm. getting into space. And and he's got he's got a dribbling ability. Don't get me wrong, but it's not Luis Diaz. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think there is, but. The the thing is, in the first uh, two games, Liverpool created more expected goals than anybody else in the Premier League, mm-hmm. um, which for me absolutely shocked me. But then it shows you know how many chances they missed. But then yeah. against United, realistically, how many chances were there? There was the Mo Salah header, and there was Bruno probably almost scored. Bruno nearly scored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's about it to be honest. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a weird situation. I wouldn't say there's a problem there. I just think it's. Darwin Nunes' stupid um, bit of uh, headbutting against Palace, which has been a bit of a problem. But I can't wait for him to get back, really. He's back from the Merseyside derby, so that's not going to be exactly a, a less heated fixture, should we yeah. say. Yeah, and perfectly, again, onto the next question about Darwin Nunes. Obviously, still suspended after his headbutt on Joachim Anderson. Personally, I've watched him quite a lot, and he does get into those goal-scoring positions a lot and puts a few of them away, but he doesn't half-miss a few too, does he? So... Yeah, I feel like whenever Liverpool play with him, they kind of tailor their game to try and suit how he plays. So sending them balls over the top longer rather than playing it out to Trent and Robertson to get the crosses in. Do you think that's going to be a tactic further down the line? Or do you think he'll slowly be phased into the crossing play of Robertson and Trent and playing into their hands? Because obviously you've got two of the best fullbacks in the world there at the moment. Um. Yeah. I think it's all about trying to bed him in in general, to be honest. I think you've seen it. A lot of people have criticised City mm. um, for trying too much to get it to Erling Haaland. Yeah. I think it's a sort of similar situation. Um, the one thing I say about Darwin Nunez, and a lot of people are saying, oh, why are we bringing him off the bench? He is the perfect substitute. Mm. Yeah, like, the agreed. The perfect substitute. Towering um, legs, non-stop energy. Chaos. Yeah. He causes chaos. And I, I think he caused chaos against Palace for a bit, but then they got used to it during the game. Um, I, I think he's gonna get take a, take a while to settle in. I said at the start of the season, I expect probably fifteen goals across all competitions. Yeah, and I'd be happy with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's a young lad. He got a little bit um, overexcited, shall we say? And he was putting loads Rolled of pressure up. on himself yeah. to score against uh, against <laughs> Palace. But yeah, I, I love him. I really, mm. really do. I, I think um, he's got so much character, mm. so much drive, and I think he was recorded as the quickest Premier League player. Uh, in the in the first match week, um, so you know he's got a lot of hidden attributes as well. Great in the air, he he missed uh, the chance one chance against Palace where it was quite a difficult volley, and then he he had another yeah, one where he hit the post. post. Yeah, um, 
but yeah, I, I have full. It, when when the ball comes to him in the in the eighteen yard box, I, I apart from Jota, he's probably the best finisher in the club, and I'm saying that above Salah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm 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 happy with him, and I hope he he comes back and starts firing like he did against City in the Community Shield and and uh, against Fulham because he's dangerous. He's always causing mm. chaos. Yeah, and onto the Bournemouth attack, Ben. They'll line up against the Liverpool defence, which has been probably Liverpool's strongest asset in the past few years. But I think it's fair to say that Van Dijk, Trent and Robbo haven't quite got up to gear yet this season. And Liverpool have actually gone behind in the last six league games, going back across to last season as well. Um, Do you think that Kiefer Moore and Dom Solanke will have what it takes to expose those weaknesses? I say weaknesses lightly I against mean, Van Dyke because obviously he's been getting that criticism for not challenging the goal against Crystal Palace, giving away the penalty against Fulham and then not going out to the ball against Jadon Sancho. Do you think there is a weakness there with Van Dyke potentially or do you think it's just complacency with him because he's such a Rolls Royce defender? I think the thing is with him, I, I do not blame him one bit for the Crystal mm. Palace goal. The Crystal mm. Palace goal, I think... I think like, he did the smart thing. Exactly. It was a tough, exactly. tough situation to shoot, and Zaha just was brilliant, yeah. wasn't he? But it's a fantastic finish, and and you play your percentages, and that's what Van Dyke's always done in his career: was play mm. percentages. You'd rather allow him, say, a ten percent chance of scoring than when if you go in with a flying tackle like Martin Skirtle style, yeah, um, to to miss him, and Very then they've got a sixty or seventy percent chance of scoring. Mm. Um, I I, th- I think, yeah, and when you've got the best one-on-one keeper in the world in Allison. You, yeah. you, you tend to back him and maybe he'll knock that down to maybe a 5% instead. Mm. Um, the Fulham one, I think it was maybe 15 years ago, it wouldn't have been a penalty, but mm. it, it was for me in, in this day and age. And the United one's unforgivable though. Mm. Um, he, he looked like he was either doing Richarlison celebration or just about <laughs> to perform Wonderwall. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was shocking really. Yeah. You question what goes through his head at that point, don't you? But yeah, and I think I think there's got to be a, a realization that um that from from his own head that, that look I I've made these mistakes but I am still Virgil Van Dyke like mm. I, I can he can he'll play with confidence he plays some fantastic passes and did and did pretty okay after that against Man United he, he didn't really let much happen on his side it was more down Gomez and Alexander yeah. Arnold's side for the rest of the game um mm. but yeah no I I think. I, I I tweeted just after the United game. Stick your savings on Kiefer Moore opener on Saturday, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised for a team that's so characterised on fast starts, on putting game teams away. Mm. Um, what on it? I, it's a really weird situation, mm. and I question the attitude of them really. Or, yeah. or is it like oh uh, we we haven't lost a game in twenty twenty two until then, so we have to give teams a head start to make sure that it's okay. <laughs> I, I don't know it, but I, but I question I question how we start games and how the, the, the staff prepare. Um, mm. As much as I love the staff and I love the owners, they both need questioning in certain situations. And I think the staff need questioning on this slow start thing because um, surely they can't see what they're, what they're seeing and think, actually, yeah, this is okay. We need to be trained on, on what we used to be on, on very, very fast starts. And uh, yeah. yeah, I hope we can get a clean sheet, man. That's all I'm hoping <laughs> for, man. Clean sheet. Yeah, of course. And as you mentioned, Kiefer Moore, to open the scoring. He's a similar player to Mitrovic who caused Fulham all sorts of problems, who's caused Liverpool all sorts of problems, I should say, and who will most likely be told to target Trent Alexander-Arnold at the back post whenever a cross comes in. And I think it's fair to say that, as you were saying, in the last game as well, 
it was mostly down Trent's side and teams were starting to target him in behind and because he pushes up so so far that getting in behind that side or getting crosses in do you think that is a problem in Trent's game that has been highlighted now obviously the Champions League final as well getting caught sleeping at the back post is that an issue and how how will he go about addressing it because he's so brilliant going forward I think what Pep Linders has always said is we play high risk high reward football Mm. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is a luxury to have a right back I will say Mm. Um, he he, in the last sort of four or five years has been consistently you know amazing yeah Trent Alexander-Arnold is a luxury to have a fullback Um, Mm. his deliveries is is, his ability to get forward um, have been amazing and it's a big part of the way Liverpool play Mm. Um, but Sometimes they say, and I think they're right. Sometimes your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. And yeah. I think the main man who who exposed who's exposed that over the last few years is um, Vinicius Junior. Um, <laughs> screw that man. Honestly, <laughs> um, he, he, he's ruined everything for me. Nah, um, Vinicius Junior, Wilfred Zaha, Marcus Rashford—they've all done it. Um, mm. Quick players on this uh, left-hand side who also got physical prowess. Um, I, I think if you take if you make Trent Alexander Arnold a auxiliary like a genuine fullback, mm. um, he wouldn't really have the um, ability that he has going forward. But at the moment, I think we just need to go back to basics with the the form that we're in, and maybe that would be the best idea. I, I honestly, I I don't really know how to go about it. It would take a tactical tactical change really for for him to do it. And to be fair, he's not even the worst out of the two of them. Robertson's been absolutely dreadful the last <laughs> couple of couple of weeks, mm. um, and really. He had a really poor start to last season and then mm. he, he recovered himself. And I think he, he was got brilliant the last yeah. half, wasn't he? Yeah. He it was. was. Unbelievable. Massively. And then the start of the season, he sort of reverted. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Costa Simicast starting on, on Saturday. And I, to be honest, I'd advocate it. Mm. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's been kind of negative towards Liverpool at the moment, but that's just my role as a host. Trying to fix- Mate, you've got to do it. You've got yeah, to do it figure out moment. some weaknesses in this formidable Liverpool side. But. I can't hide the fact that this fixture has been dominated by Liverpool. 17 meetings between the two sides and Bournemouth have only managed to win once. <laughs> so I remember it, that one. I remember yeah, that one very, very well. It, it is probably Bournemouth's greatest ever Premier League match. That comeback was a stuff of dreams for Bournemouth and Bournemouth fans. But I want to know what the Liverpool fans' thoughts of this fixture are going into Saturday. It's a match... Is it a match to finally get the season started or is there slight caution because of the way the season started so far? On paper, mm. I don't think you could get a better fixture for Liverpool at the moment. Mm. I ask I, I, no disrespect to Bournemouth. I think there is some, some quality in there. But Bookie's favourites to go down, everyone feels like they haven't really added enough Premier League quality. Mm. Um, I think the one real marquee signing, Marco Sanesi, was exposed a lot against Arsenal and that's that's understandable new 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 league new language yeah um new new back four um but new all back five um but I've never been more nervous going into a match against Bournemouth <laughs> I'm not gonna lie never been more nervous whatsoever it's um probably the most fragile I felt as a Liverpool fan apart from during the COVID season mm. and everyone wrote that off as, as nothing but the now we've got fans back we've got We've got our best players. I know we've got injuries and stuff, but yeah, there's, there's Liverpool. Liverpool are a team to be got at, um, and a lot of people are saying, "Oh, this is uh, an easy win for us." No, it isn't. 
Um, realistically, <laughs> I would take any sort of scrappy win on Saturday because that's what's going to have to get the ball rolling for mm, us. For sure. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm I'm fearful a little bit. I, I'm going up on on Saturday. I go to most home games. And, yeah. Um, it, I, I'm slight. I'm I'm there. I'm feeling a little bit like we have to get an early goal, but. What, what we I've never thought I'd ever say that against yeah. against AFC Bournemouth, you know. Yeah. Um But look, I I think there's a, a contrast. There's either the ones who are absolutely shitting themselves, mm. or excuse my language, no, or uh, or or absolutely you know uh, complacent about it. I think yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Lovely stuff. And now just to, towards the end of the show, Chris on the Cherries on Top podcast, I like to throw in a little game to get. The oh fans yes, thinking. I love this. Uh, so. For this week, I'm going to challenge you with naming all the players that have transferred between the two clubs and how much they've transferred for. So there's been six transfers. I'd expect you to get three at least, maybe four pushing it. And then the other two was quite a push and research was needed (laughs) for them. So can you name any? Right. I'm going to try my luck at a old school one and say Jamie oh, yes. Redknapp. Yeah, that is one of them, yeah. Um, obviously, Dom Solanke. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Ibe. Yeah. And uh, Brad Smith. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now we're looking at uh, two others. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 want, I want a clip. Are they, are they modern at all? Um, or... One of them's 1991. <laughs> the other right. one is 1965. So... Jesus, a bit, um, a bit beyond our yeah. Time range. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna have a, a, a wild stab in the dark and say, um, Brian Hall one, Brian it's Hall, not, no. no, um, yeah, I'm just thinking of like people from 1960s, yeah, for Liverpool. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't, Mark Wright, no, clue. no, no, go can you, on. Can you give us, can you give us the transfer fees for the ones that you've named? Can you, okay, I think Solanke was 19 million, yeah, bang on. Uh, Ibe was 15 and Brad Smith was yeah. six. Perfect. There you go. Modern See, that, that, look yeah, at that. Brilliant. Really sad. I don't know about Redknapp, mind. I ain't got a clue. But... Jamie Redknapp was 350,000, but what would he be worth in this modern era? Um, what do you think? Oh, that's interesting. Player, he, signed he? As, he signed as a, like a kid, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Very played with injuries at Liverpool. Um, I'd pay probably about 30 mil. I'd give him 30, yeah. mil, get 30 mil value in, in his prime. Yeah. Brilliant player in his prime, anyways. But yeah, you've done very well with that. The other two, yeah, well, it, the other it, two, 1965, let's just get this one out of the way. I've never heard of him in my life. But Phil Ferns from Liverpool to Oh Bournemouth God, I don't even know that one. For £5,000 back in the day. <laughs> right, I got, not yeah. a clue. <laughs> and then Alex Watson, 1991, Liverpool to Bournemouth for £150,000 as well. So two players, can't tell you. Maybe the Bournemouth fans will know, but can't say... My time on this earth goes back to that. No, so, not at all. I wouldn't know. But finally, to round off, Ben, with quickfire questions, what is your prediction for Saturday? 2-1, Liverpool. That being uh, said, goal scorers? Keep them all. Right, opening goal. <laughs> opening goal. I, I, honestly, guys, <laughs> gamble responsibly, but put your money on it. Um, it's going to happen. Um, um, and then uh, I think Mo Salah will, will get two. Um, because realistically, who else? <laughs> so, captain, captain's armband on FPL. 
Absolutely. Club, he, sure. He's been my captain since the start and he will continue to be. I was, <laughs> I was considering a triple captain this week, but you've got to save it for your double game weeks. Yeah, of course. You, you know it. You know it. So where are, fin- where are Liverpool going to finish in the league this season? And do you think they'll get silverware? Well, we've Obviously, just got a... you've been drawn together in the Carabao Cup, so that might be an opportunity. We, yeah, well, that's what I was, uh, we just got a favourable draw in the Cup. Um, yeah. A lot of people are writing off the Cups because we won it last year. Mm. Um, I, I, I was at Wembley for the Carabao Cup final. It was one of the best days I've had as a Liverpool fan. So mm. I want us to go far in both Cups again. Yeah, um, yeah I think we'll win. I think we'll win a trophy. I, I'm not going to specify which, which one. one. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll win one. Um, I wouldn't write us off in the Champions League either. Um, mm. to be fair, I think it will will be right up there again. Um, and we'll finish first, Saj. Oh wow! <laughs> Gonna come back. Gonna come back. <laughs> oh wow! Nah, that's that's pure delusion. <laughs> I think I think we'll finish second. Right. That's yeah. My, no, that's my real. That's thing. fair enough. Yeah. And more importantly, obviously, where are Bournemouth going to finish in this season, and will they stay up? On my I gut thought, instinct, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's I'm fine, sorry. it's fine. Honestly, <laughs> everyone said it so far, I think. So. Um, but hopefully you can drag Everton down with you. <laughs> That'd be nice. But no, I, I, there's 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 potential there. There's scope for Bournemouth to stay up. But mm. I just think they put too many, in my opinion, they put too many eggs in getting promoted and not pushing on from that, to be fair. Yeah. I think they need to, uh, you need to make probably two or more Premier League proven signings. And I'm not sure what the situation is there. So, Link um, with Ainsley yeah. Maitland-Nard, but he'll probably choose Southampton over Bournemouth, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, but, be yeah um, there's not men- many more rumblings going on. It's just outgoings rather than incomings. But then that's the same with Liverpool, isn't it? There's not many, yeah, yeah not much coming in. Is that is that an issue, do you think? Mm, do you think they need to recruit yeah. at least one or two? Midfield, mate. Midfield is, yeah. the, is the area. Um, We've had Leandro Paredes linked from uh, PSG. Yeah, he's, going, that last you, night. he's going to um to Juventus, I think. Yeah. Um, Yuri Tielemans. I mean, at this point, beggars cannot be choosers. So I, <laughs> I wouldn't usually say yes to Yuri Tielemans, but uh, yeah, I'd be all over it, to be honest. Mm. Um, And yeah, um, overall, I, Sander Berg has been linked from <laughs> Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, it's literally Norwegian. get anyone who can kick a football and stay in midfield, please. Yeah, for a couple of weeks until the others yeah. come back and then you're set to chase down City again, potentially. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Man. But that is all that we've got time for on this Cherries on Top podcast. Chris, once again, thank you for coming on and you can find all of Chris's links in the description below. Please like, subscribe and comment on this video to keep us rolling with this Cherries on Top podcast. And until next week, I shall see you later. Thank you. Bye.